does a entirely remade, complete Mother of Tears trilogy look like? I'm thinking Inferno should probably be like is the we, Suspiria. Okay, so we got we got Luca Guadagnino <laughs> yeah. on Suspiria. We've already got that one. Yes. Where do we go from here? I was thinking if you did Inferno similar to Suspiria, the remake in any way, you would keep it in 1980. Okay. You could even make it in the late 80s, almost like to use the AIDS epidemic if you want to, or use something that's like because mm-hmm. it's going to be in New York, right? So right. like it's a big city, and that was a big thing at the time. We're throwing, out, we're throwing out the uh, the September 11th attacks was a setting Absolutely, for Inferno. Absolutely, because Inferno is in 1980, and okay. I don't want to leave the 80s. Because okay. in my head, you would do Inferno with. Now I haven't seen the film, and you have, so you can attest to this. But I was thinking having the director of In Fabric would oh, probably okay. do that. Sure. And then get Disaster Piece, which is hilariously, hilariously the group that was behind the Minecraft, but also the It Follows soundtrack. Oh, I feel okay. like that does the vibe of 80s while also being modern. Sure. And for Mother of Tears, I mean, I was thinking score-wise, you would put it in 2007. You would do, score-wise, I, it would be cool to have Ludwig uh, Garanson. Oh, yeah. Which he's probably too big now. I mean, the man's yeah. last film was Tenet. Well, he sure. took he took Zimmer's spot for yeah, Nolan film, so maybe he's, he's already Zimmer, yeah. maybe he's already up there. But at the same time, it'd be because he like he can give it that big. Because I feel like Mother of Tears should be like a big bombastic yeah. finale to it. Yeah, all. the the original kind of wants to be, but yeah. doesn't have the budget or the really mm-hmm. the clout to execute that. But yeah, you've really got you know you've got uh, the Mother of Tears herself trying to like you know bring down all of Rome yeah. basically. So yeah, if you and made I'd, that a big. Big thing, and I cool. think if a big thing would be in my head, just off the off the cuff, just like having the protagonist in Inferno be the sister of Mark, make okay. Mark the inciting incident that yeah. brings in his. I can't remember what his sister's name was, but like almost go like, oh, are they actually going to make Mark a person? And go, nope, oh, they killed him they first. Kill him. Yeah. So now it's the sister, and like keep it more of like the kind of the femininity and like the growing women's rights and like uh-huh. a very feminine film without it being over like hashtag girl boss well, kind of right, obnoxious yeah, yeah. Sure. you know like ghostbusters answer the call nothing <laughs> kind of like that in yeah. that scenario which both films about new york whoa coincidence mm. absolutely <laughs> <laughs> with mother of tears i guess Who he would, would direct, just like though mother of tears i don't know like that's uh, that's where like i initially was like ari aster just because I thought that'd be uh, funny. Yeah. But at the same time, the man just wants to do comedies now. Like he's <laughs> He's got his own production company. I think he wants to produce horror films, but doesn't want to direct a horror film in yeah. a while. But if he did, I mean, if he directed Mother of Tears, maybe throw in Florence Pugh, even though she's not <laughs> Italian. Yeah. Because I think it'd be fun if, like, Mother of Tears, the twist of that is instead of her mother just being a good witch, her mother would be Suspiriorum. Because, like, yeah. I think one of the cool things would be, like, having Dakota Johnson come back and be very ageless. Yeah. Because that would be fun to be, like, you know, you make these films, like, maybe three to four years apart. And then, like, they're different eras. But, creepily enough, Dakota Johnson hasn't <laughs> aged really a day yeah, in yeah. between. I wonder maybe if an interesting director choice for uh, Mother of Tears would be uh, Panos Cosmatos, the guy who did Mandy. 
Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, Mother of Tears, and you know, the original, not nearly as psychedelic mm-hmm. as the the previous two, but but and, it would and be Mandy cool. was very psychedelic. But like, yes. you know, he's got the kind of horror action, the mm-hmm. visceral yes. violence on lock. And that's like actually Mother of Tears was really trying to be the most violent one. Yeah, that's a great that's a great choice, especially because like in Mandy, he does a great job of when the film starts, like. That whole side of like Nicolas Cage and Mandy's—I uh, can't even remember Nicolas Cage's character's name in that film, either. but he's fantastic in it. Like it starts very, uh, just very normal, and like the sh- <laughs> the shot composition's very normal. Yeah. The, the the colors are not crazy. It's not until right. the film gets farther in, which you can see in like, like maybe the farther the protagonist goes into the world of the witches in Rome, that's when it gets more Mandy esque. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's probably the closest to Argento you could probably get. Well, and that'd be also an interesting arc for the entire remade trilogy because you've got, as we'll talk about, Luca's Suspiria is much less of that kind of abstract neon nightmare. Yeah. So you start from kind. I wouldn't necessarily call this movie grounded, but um, you know, it's a lot more so than than the original film. And then by the end of the trilogy. You're doing Mother of Tears, which might be the most grounded of the original trilogy, and you're yeah, doing and it it's still to the, the nth and degree that's crazy. absolutely the silliest one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's... I mean, before we get more into this one, <laughs> hello, my name is Logan Soash. And I'm Andy Carr. And this is Odd Trilogies with Logan and Andy, and this is a movie podcast where we take a trio of films, and we go film by film, and we discuss the good and the bad and the weird surrounding these Odd Trilogies. But today, we've actually finished our last odd trilogy which is about the three mothers trilogy mm-hmm. dario's three mothers and now we are doing a frequel episode on suspiria's remake which was a 2018 horror thriller directed by luca guadagnino who went straight from call me by your name <laughs> to this film which is a vastly different just tonally just like visually yeah. and what's kind of insane about that too is luca has actually been attached to this film since the 2000s like, he got the rights from Dario and Daria, like, in the early to mid-2000s to do a film. Yeah. And then the initial idea was, I think, at one point, the film was going to be Natalie Portman in the lead, hmm. David Gordon Green's the director, and then Luca was going to produce. And then that, oh, okay. fell, fall, and that fell through. Yeah. And then I think, as he was doing Call Me By Your Name, he decided just to pick up the process. Because mm-hmm. apparently, Dakota Johnson, who plays this film's version of Susie Banyan, she was she was in dance academy. She was training for this film for two years. Oh, they wow. shot this film in 2016 and ended in 2017. And she mm. was training since 2014. <laughs> and basically, like that's why all the dancing looks really good because they got yeah. actual dancers. You know, Dakota Johnson actually gave trained, a shit yeah. and trained to become yeah. like a, a good dancer for this right. and. Yeah, this movie is just such a great piece, especially to end on after, mm-hmm. you know, Inferno was a bummer, Mother of Tears was a silly mess, but it was yeah. fun. After then, kind of watching, yeah, after the yeah. the high of, of 1977's Suspiria, just kind of mm-hmm. watching the trilogy deteriorate. Yeah, it's like the, the trilogy itself is like the equivalent of watching a sweater get unraveled like thread by thread yeah and then like by the end of mother of tears like the the sweater is still intact but barely yeah and then this it, remake it, like, was a really nice sweater at first and yes it's just kind of like well it, it's still mm-hmm. a sweater it's very cozy very ominous sweater but by the end of it it was deranged and silly and was very much a shell of what it started out as yeah. but it was still fun yeah but with this one it's like a sweater that like 
gives you the vibe of that first sweater, but it's entirely its own thing. Yeah. Where it's like, what's great about this and why I think in the future, I really hope that like professors, if they have a discussion about remakes, this film is brought up because this film does a great job of being like, we respect the original film, but we also know that if we just do it again, this is pointless. Right. Like we can't, we can't mock Argento or like we can't try to do a mock-up of Argento style or like the lighting design or Goblin's music. We got to do something that like has the spirit of the film, but actually dives deeper into the mythology, the lore, the characters and that's honestly why this film works so well. Mm-hmm. Because, like, this film works on its own if you have only seen the first film. Hell, if you haven't even seen the original Suspiria, I think you can get a lot out of this and enjoy this. Yeah, I almost think, um, and this is not really, you know, a criticism of the film, but, like, I almost wish I could have experienced it without knowing it was a remake of Suspiria or without having seen mm-hmm. Suspiria or something. Um, just because... Yeah, I, I think there's. It's got plenty of its own kind of shocks and yeah, and odd twists on the on the original story, to where it is kind of almost entirely its own experience. Yeah, while also still paying. Yeah, because it's 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 respect. it's so ridiculous. Because I do remember seeing this when it was in theaters. I was in a theater, I think, of like three to five people <laughs> at like a ten p.m. showing. Because yeah. I think it was like a Thursday night. And apparently this film opened up to like two <laughs> to like two theaters initially. Oh. And then just like was slowly, slowly building out. Yeah. And then like it didn't really it didn't even make half its money back. But at the same time, like this movie was distributed by Amazon. Oh, so it was pretty yeah. much it pretty much was like in safe hands to a degree. Where it's like now it's like if you hear Netflix picked up a film or if you hear like Hulu got something, it's like, well at least they got some money on the back end mm-hmm. and they have like that brand <laughs> to it, I guess. But what's so crazy about this film is, like, this film doesn't beat around the bush compared to first to Argento's oh, film. Yeah. Where, like, Argento's film, he uses the giallo tropes and, like, basic ideas of what a giallo is to do a backdoor witch's film. Where it's like, oh, I wonder who the killer is in the original film. Uh, it was a witch the whole time. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's like, yeah, you're kind of slowly figuring out. Yeah how crazy and absurd and supernatural all this stuff is when you mm-hmm. kind of, you know, at first think, oh, yeah, it's probably just a killer because Jalo. Yeah. This takes the opposite approach and very casually just informs you that it's all witches. Yeah, literally, in the first five to ten minutes, while Germany is in disarray outside, yeah. Pat, or just Patricia in this film, the first girl who dies in the original 1977 film, this time is played by Chloe Grace Moretz. She's mm-hmm. like in five minutes of the film total. Yeah. But like she just shows up to her psychiatrist basically and just says outright they're witches. Yeah. Like there's no. She's like they're, they, they're in my head. Yeah. They're going to kill me. They gave something to me. Yeah. You know, like I can feel them. They're watching they me right now. They know that I'm talking to you. Yeah. Yeah. And then you see her book and like has basically. It's so weird how this film almost has like that, that Argento like laying out the lore Mm -hmm. like here because like the book if you like it's crazy too because the book does like have like here's all the three mothers here's where they came from but at the same time the book also has if you're paying attention especially my second time through they actually have like patricia has written down diagrams of how they give power Mm -hmm. they show a diagram of basically like a hierarchy and like a pantogram (laughs) in terms of like who is in the highest right 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 like there's all these little details that like 
in the original Argento film, you would just have a dude say all of this. Yeah. But in this one... They work it in a lot more yeah, kind of organic it's, way. It's more visual, and, like, you only are told the necessary stuff, but the yeah. more arbitrary stuff that's really good if you love this world and if you love the original uh-huh. film you get it through like yeah. visuals well and it's yeah it's it's just a really great balancing act because it's just so much more detailed in how it you know mm-hmm. exposits its lore it's, than it's, the first one and yet at the same time it never really feels like it's beating you over the head that's, with that's, exposition that's also what's so bizarre is this film is just not only is it detailed in that regard it's more detailed in almost, almost in every every, <laughs> every way like the script the way that they shoot, the way yeah. the char- the characters are so good. Because in the original film, it's like the characters are good too, but they're they're on a very base level. Yeah, well, they're almost it's, like, they're, it's almost caricature like yeah. because mm-hmm. the point is just you're you're supposed to kind of zone in on Susie's mm-hmm. perspective, and you know you know as little as she does, and you're paying to paying yeah. attention as little as she is because yeah. she's trapped in this nightmare and she doesn't know what's happening. And she's also being drugged out of her mind. Yeah. So for the majority of the film, we just have to use Sarah as our outlet because right. Sarah's doing the investigation. Well, as in the remake, Susie doesn't get drugged. Susie just doesn't pay attention initially because she's becoming more and more a part of the troop. Yeah, well, Whereas, she's so so ready to take it on like she's yeah. she's very ambitious and wants because, to be great and everything yeah because she's she's basically an untapped potential like right. she's she's a prodigy basically yeah she the, comes she comes from ohio yeah and uh, <laughs> i think from a mennonite family yeah i think it's like she comes from a big mennonite family that obviously was not a fan of her wanting to go into dancing school so right. she's all by herself in germany <laughs> and she just shows up does like an impromptu audition and just like blows the dance teachers away yeah to the point where like she was looking for tilda swinton's madame blanc and then like as she's doing so well like tilda swinton gets so excited she just shows up at the audition (laughs) and one of my favorite music cues in there with like the whole like spinning part but like which again talking about the music the music is vastly different uh yeah it's it's it's, well it, it strikes me as a similar kind of the the music is a similar interpretation of the original film mm-hmm. uh, as the like cinematography and editing is. Yes, it's like it's muted, but it's still bizarre and you know disturbing and nightmarish in its own way. Mm-hmm. Both the, the music and the editing, it's kind of there's a feverish quality to it, but it's not you know doing that the acid trip heights that yes. the Goblin yeah. and Argento were doing. Yeah. But it's still very much like, this is unsettling, this is otherworldly, This is, I'm not comfortable with this. Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, you get Tom York from Radiohead, yeah. which I think was his, like, this is his first, like, first time, or at least his maybe second or third time as a composer on a film. Yeah. Because I know the guys at Radiohead, like, a decent amount of the members have actually gone on to do, like, composition jobs mm-hmm. for movies. And, like, Tom York just comes in, and initially when I saw this film... I was one of the dissenters who just thought, you know, this wasn't, this didn't hold a candle to Goblin's music in the original. But second time through, honestly, I think it's just as good. It's just vastly different. Yeah. Because, like, to me, like, some of the best stuff in this is the musical cues, the opening, uh, the dance sequence with Volk, which Mm -hmm. is the trailer music, and the trailer music is fantastic. And, like. Yeah, I think this was his first and only feature length. 
That is insane. Score. But because like it's so good and like it definitely is Radiohead esque. Sure, yeah. Like you can't not, especially when you hear that it's Tom York. It's like, oh, of course. Yeah. Like this makes sense because like the opening, like the opening theme is like him singing. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, yeah that's Tom. It's like, oh, that's it's Tom a Radiohead Radio. song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's really good. Like it, like the music fits very well, and it's an it's a nightmarish vibe. But more grounded, which is yeah, kind of like, it's kind of just more ominous. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, which is weird because you would think like taking Dario and grounding him more would just be awful. Because what uh, makes yeah. him what appeals, especially to Three Mothers trilogy, what appeals so many people is the fact that Dario is so you know dreamlike and nightmarish when it comes to his directing style, mm-hmm. you know, directing acting, directing where the light, like the lighting, everything just feels very atmospheric in a way that isn't real. It's almost right. like you are just finding out that you're asleep the whole time type of scenario. Well, yeah. as with this one, it's like immediately the color palette is beautiful but muted. Yeah. Like it's, it's very It's, it's much pale. more 21st century cinematic Yes, in this presentation. Yeah, a lot of grays and browns and definitely, dark reds. and Definitely what you think of like artsy cinema, like old school art cinema in terms mm-hmm. of like the color palette. It feels yeah. very much like in that vein. And at the same yeah, time, kind of like it's like early seventies stuff. Yeah, and like there's some good moments where you get some flashes of color that definitely has oh, the yeah. vibe of Argento, but like they don't really take away from anything. It just really adds. But thankfully, it doesn't make you go, "Oh, I missed that." It makes you go, "Oh, that actually works well with how this yeah. color palette's going for it." And <laughs> it's, it's just like, yeah, it's it's a the gritty the gritty modern remake aesthetic done like in the best possible way yeah whereas it's almost always done in the worst possible way and it probably also is like and this is something that's personal to me where it's like when it talks about the idea of digital versus film i feel like you know that is entirely depending on the people surrounding the project like i don't necessarily think one is better than the other because they both have their pros and cons but i do think the fact that this film, I think, was shot on the same film as the original. Like, oh, shot was. on film, yeah. yeah. The graininess does add to the gray and kind of, like, oblique bleakness of yeah. the time that Germany is in at the moment. And, like, just the whole vibe of the film overall looks very vintage but also modern at the same time. Yeah. And I definitely do think it helps that they, they took that time to have a film camera mm-hmm. rather than, like, adding, like, trying to colorize it like in post or like trying to add a grain or something like that but i mean it's just there's just so much it's so crazy how it's like we're gonna do mother suspiria but we're gonna (laughs) do mother suspiria in a way where it's like it's she's a she's not marcos in this version straight out of the gate it's like there's already talks about how marcos is possibly a fake yeah, like a there's, false god. There is and it's, politics going on among the witches, which, I, I which do, is really cool. Like we, one of the friends that we watched it with, he that was like one of his least favorite parts about the film. But I personally love the witch politics. Yeah, I, I did too. I think it's it's I think it's just so weird how candid everybody is. Like that's how this. <laughs> yeah. Like that that almost has a creepiness to it, where it's just a bunch of witches in a room together, smoking, yeah. eating like a like a bunch of girls hanging out, right? Talking about what they should do next about like the sacrifice yeah and it's like holy it's just, shit it's that's kind so of bizarre. just like like an adult sorority like they're all just kind yeah. of hanging out yeah they're just doing their they're normal women they're normal people yeah they just have to practice witchcraft and try to abduct young women and, and make them witches yeah and what's crazy too is the political aspect actually adds more depth to certain characters because in yeah. the original film 
In this film, Tilda Swinton plays three different characters, but her main role is Madame Blanc, who right. in the original film is played by an old school like American American actress, yeah. and I think it was like one of her last roles before mm-hmm. she passed away. But like Madame Blanc in this film is actually not tragic but relatable in certain degrees, where it's yeah. like well, she is not killing these people out of yeah. spite. Honestly, it's everyone else. Like it's almost like she's sad because she knows she yeah. can't save the girls who were like trying to leave. Yeah, it's she's kind of only regretfully or resentfully part of it. Yeah. Um, like she, she kind of you know she perpetuates and allows this system mm-hmm. to keep going, but she's clearly more interested in the well-being of the students than anybody else is. Yeah, um, which is cool to have kind of a, at least to some degree, genuine, you know, mentor guardian figure for Susie. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas in in the original, she's just totally alone, pretty much. Yeah. And speaking of also that, it's just like, it's also nice to see in a Suspiria film that takes place in a dance academy, just seeing dancing, yeah, seeing actual dancing, right. like modern, like it's also like, it's modern dancing too. It's not ballet. Uh, yeah. It's like, it's like modern at the time. It's kind of interpretive, I yeah. guess, interpretive dance. In it's interpretive way. dance that's supposed to be dark and supposed to be like very it's tragic. Very, yeah. Visceral and kind of contorting yeah. your body to create a mood. Which feels like it's very much trying to use its yeah, trying to use its art, trying to use their art to basically communicate to other people to watch it, almost as if they're trying to get them in tune with them. Yeah, it's it's be almost like, more like a moving sculpture than what you would typically yeah. think of as dance. Oh yeah, I mean it is sure. dance. I don't want to discredit it. No, it is. It's just style. It's just again vastly different than just like standard ballet in the original yeah, film, yeah. and it's and we see more of it. Yeah, we see a lot of it. And yeah. honestly, some of the parts that, like, really made me cringe is, like, the close-ups of feet just slamming, like, wood floors. Yeah. Or, like, people bending There's... in ways they're not supposed to. Or, like, almost like this vibe of, like, someone could screw up at any time and actually hurt themselves. Yeah. They don't they don't lean into it quite as hard as, like, Black Swan does into the, no, like, the... Yeah. the uh, physical cost of dancing yeah it's it's like this, it's the it's psychological like on that edge where mm-hmm. you think it's like oh somebody's gonna break a foot oh somebody's gonna you know fall mm-hmm. and break because like it seems like as soon as like it could go to the black swan levels of like talking about the psychological and physical yeah like effects that it has on dancers who are constantly pushing themselves to the edge in this film it's like anytime someone hits the edge it's like Oh no worries, we'll put witch powers on you, and then <laughs> yeah. like either yeah. like is like now you're a legend. Like, yeah, because it's like you know the whole thing of like taking uh, I think it was Krista's like jumping yeah, ability, she's the jumper. Yeah, and they give it to Susie, and she's like sick for a few days, yeah. but then she's okay. Or like yeah, the, I thought she was just going to be toast after yeah. that, and it was going to be really morbid. Yeah, and it was like oh okay, she but, can still function. Yeah, she just she's, she's not just, she's not the lead; she doesn't have yeah. to jump. Yeah. Well, as also, it's like when Sarah gets her foot stuck in a hole and breaks, like oh, her. Yeah. Yeah, and that's like that. And then they heal it. Yeah, yeah and they're like they, but they barely heal it. Well, that's what right, gets right. me too. Is like there's a bruise, and it obviously isn't oh, healed. Yeah. It's almost like someone they just pushed pulled it the in. skin together. Yeah. Like, it was like it was a compound fracture, so the bone's sticking out. Oh. And then just, they just it's like they just take the skin and pull it back over top yeah. of the bone, but don't fix the bone. But the, that's also something that's so cool too. Is like how Luca almost like luca takes the idea of like in suspiria there are very little kills for the majority of the film yeah i mean in this film there's a bombastic bloody finale but before that (laughs) he follows argento's role by like having a insane first kill 
right. with uh, Olga. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Olga's death, where like she gets contorted yeah. and like breaks all of her bones, breaks her jaw, pisses her pants, like mm-hmm. this very visceral, grotesque, and then it's just chill yeah. for a, like an hour, <laughs> and then another death happens. You know, Sarah's Sarah's like ultimately she doesn't really die; she slowly is dying. Where mm-hmm. it's like she gets the compound fracture, and then they right. basically. I think it's implied that Blanc takes over her body so she can finish the dance. Oh, okay. Because, yeah, like, that, there's that, that part where, like, Blanc really is basically, like, yeah. Because, yeah. like, again, too, another yeah, thing. Yeah, Blanc is, like, kind of concentrating yeah. to, like, get her through it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what's great, too, is, like, you take that aspect from Argento. Like, even though Guadagnino is, like, explaining more stuff about the lore, there's still a lot that, like, shown in visuals that it's like, oh, you're not telling me this outright, but I can right. tell that they're talking to one another, yeah. like, telepathically. Yeah. Or, like, they're not, like, laying out the rules for yeah. you, but they're, like, showing you what yeah. they're capable of yeah, like in this... ways, in repeated ways, so that you can yeah. kind of figure out the boundaries of it. Mm-hmm. Whereas, yeah, like you Suspiria have... is just like, okay, they can do this, and mm-hmm. they can't do that. Okay, There's whatever. great visual cues, like when you see, like, the light in people's palms when they, like, t- borrow, when they push the power oh, yeah, out of yeah, somebody yeah. else. Yeah. And, like, you get the dream sequences where it's very obvious that, like, all these women have had to go through these dream sequences because they are shoving all these different women's histories in their heads and trying to make them one cohesive unit that yeah. they've all kind of been through. But also kind of, like mentally prepare them for if they're going to be a sacrifice they're going to probably have to deal with some horrible stuff yeah and so like they're trying to mix and meld each other's minds and Mm -hmm. it's just it's so weird how like to me i mean we talked about this after we saw the film but like i think this is just as good as the original yeah i would say and but i think i think i enjoyed it more Mm -hmm. actually than the original but i would like to credit that to the fact that i was 40 years late or 50 years late to... <laughs> no, it's 40. It's 40 years yeah. late to uh, the original. You know, but I think... Because I, I think to me it's the same... Th- it's like they're both to me, I think... I would probably rate them the same, but in terms of like a heartier meal per se, yeah. the remake has it. Yeah. Because the remake... It's, again, like, it takes a lot of stuff that Argento put in the foundations of the Three Mothers trilogy with that first film and uses that for visual cues, musical cues in certain degrees, and, like, you know, making this beautiful film look so good in its own way without it feeling like it's trying to, like, ape its best ideas from the original. Yeah, it really just kind of takes the bones of the original and builds out this whole other meaty... Mm-hmm. meaty organism all its own from yeah. that and it's and it's also yeah. like like i think one of the biggest differences between them is the age of the witches because i think in the original mm. film like i and again this i think is interpretation but it's like in the original film it's supposed to be like they're a black coven kind of like an anti-christianity like right. they've been like a pagan <sighs> very yeah. society yeah, 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 but yeah. in this new suspiria they're ancient they, they're older than god yeah. like the concept o- older of god than christianity yeah yeah, yeah they're older, older than, than the, religion yeah than older than the concept of a christian god and yeah. that is insane and scary and like weird <laughs> that like it's like yeah. these women these three mothers have been around maybe since the dawn of time right. we don't know right. <laughs> but we know that like if there is a good there's a bad and we just know the bad is usually tied to one of the three mothers. Yeah. And so, like, it honestly gives the three mothers more of, like, a creepiness to it. Yeah. And it also is, like, there's some good nods to where it's, like, Susie 
when she says like the reason why she wants to be in a dance is because she saw them in New York, mm-hmm. which in the Three Mothers lore, that's where the Mother of Darkness is. Right. So it's like was that a was that a, a reunion? Maybe of, yeah, of a cute, two of the a, a cute thing. Maybe yeah. It's yeah. like and what's I don't know. It's it's just so much fun how like you can go into this blind and just respect a lot of what it's doing. Yeah. And in like even the little things, like I didn't realize this until I was doing some research after we watched the film. During the film, they have subtitles, and the subtitles are different colors. And it's like Law and Order font. Yeah. Apparently, it's because the red signifies German subtitles, while the blue signifies French subtitles. Oh, okay. And that's nuts that, like, it doesn't I, yeah. really matter in the end, but, like, they put that time and effort to have, like, those little tidbits of differences yeah. where it's like, if you're wondering why red doesn't sound the same as blue, you're right. They're different <laughs> languages. Yeah. And it's also great the fact that, like, this film doesn't overdo it with the kills. Mm-hmm. Like, it feels... Again, I think to me, it's one of the reasons why when we watched the original Suspiria, I didn't give anyone a warning because it's like, after that first kill, you're going to understand what this kind of film is. Yeah. And while the new one is kind of like... The new one definitely has that vibe too. I was more worried the fact that, like, it is so... Like, there's no music. It is entirely silent as this woman is getting pelted and destroyed in a room oh, as she's yeah. screaming by herself it's a it's a vastly different type of kill in a <laughs> horror film and i and i also just remembered like the first time i think i remember hearing about this film i had just seen the original film it had been a few months after that but very similar to like films like raw or like swiss army man there was an early screening where they showed just that kill and people were walking out of theaters People were like angry, getting sick. <laughs> like that was the thing where, like, I think it was like CinemaCon twenty seventeen. Yeah. yeah, like CinemaCon twenty seventeen. Someone's like, I just watched like a ten minute bit, mm-hmm. and it was fucking disgusting. <laughs> and I'm like, of Suspiria, tell me more. Like yeah. the guy to call me by your name, and then like it, in and like in detail tells what happens to her. And like yeah. I'm trying to visualize like how is that going to happen. And then a year later, I see the film, and I could not believe how, like, how detailed that description was, was perfectly accurate, yeah. and how, like, it works. And also, it really imprinted itself on yeah, that guy's brain. Yeah, and it's very little VFX. Like, that woman, you, yeah. were, you were correct. It was a contortionist. Okay. Yeah, I, it was I a contortionist a and an actual experienced dancer. So, like, that's why she could do all those things, do yeah. all those falls, and, like... There, I think the CG is probably in, like, some of she the body. She has, like, body. that sack of skin that comes out of her yeah, side. Yeah, and I feel like and... there's, like, minimal CG in that yeah. regards. But, like, it's just, like, it's just a different type of creepy. It's, like, yeah. it's like a different type of gore. It's a different type of... Because, like, the gore yeah, it's is like not... it's, practically bloodless gore. Yeah. With which that is... scene. That scene, yeah. not the whole movie. Which is, like, yeah, which <laughs> is, like, scene. which is, like, nasty to me more, personally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, because, like, with something like Suspiria... Like, again, we talked about, I think, in Mother of Tears, maybe Inferno, where it's like, you know, I can I can believe, like, oh, you're not going to really see a heart. But, like, that is kind of wacky, like, yeah. nuts and kind of gross. But, like, you see something like in Hostel where, like, they cut someone's Achilles heel. Oh, yeah. That, like, that stuff, that doesn't yeah. do well with me. Yeah. Like, it's like what it, what it almost looks way too realistic, how <laughs> someone breaks a bone. Yeah. Or, like, I can take over-the-top gore stuff, like in a zombie yeah. film. or like Heads flying off yeah. and stuff. But if it's, yeah. like, a thriller that, like, all of its, like, kills or, like, fractures, like, it seems too real. Like, uh-huh. that just that just gets under my skin more than, like, anything else. Yeah. And this film does that in spades. Which is yeah. nuts because it's the man who did "Call Me by Your Name." I think yeah. I think literally it was like three months between 
ending, like per, like editing or yeah. like production, and then going straight into this film. Yeah, that's got to be like up there with like Craig Mason as one of the top just kind of weird career turnarounds yes. from film to film. Because yeah. Craig Mason's the guy who wrote like all those dumb two thousands yeah. comedies. Yeah, he did like, Rocky and Bullwinkle. Rocky and Bullwinkle did... did like Disaster Movie or something yes. like all of those kinds of movies. <laughs> And then he goes and writes Chernobyl. Yes. <laughs> Everybody's like, oh. Yeah. Oh, actually, I think Kenneth Lonergan is the guy who did Manchester by the Sea. Yeah. He's the one who did Rocky and Bullying. Oh, okay. No, yeah, yeah Craig Mason like, did a bunch of those kind yes. of like scary movie, disaster movies. Yes, he did a lot. Yeah, and then he does one of the best HBO shows in recent memory. <laughs> yeah, a horrifying and now drama he's, thriller and now about he's, a tragic he's event. the main guy tied to The Last of Us show, which, in all yeah. honesty... I can't really ask for anyone else to really do that kind of show. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, good for him. But, at the, yeah, it's it's very weird how, like, you don't really see that in most modern kind of, like, modern-day directors. Yeah. Like, maybe you'll see it with something like Spielberg, where it's like, oh, yeah. I, I'll do the BFG, and then I'll do Ready Player One. <laughs> because it's like, you know, he can do whatever he wants right. now. But, like, Luca is, like, in this spot where, like, he isn't, like considered a huge director no he's or like kind an of an indie, up-and-coming yeah. art house filmmaker yeah. you know he's, very well respected but not a yeah lot he's of he's not really an pull. indie darling in the states but like everywhere else yeah. like he's made some really great stuff that like i mean i think a lot of early tilda swinton was actually tied to luca like i think this is like oh. the third or fourth film they have done together okay. so it makes sense that like if tilda's like i want to do a male role luca's gonna be like yeah yeah. I mean, it's like a mainly women film. Yeah. Like, of course, like a female could do a male role if we could figure it out. Right, and so that's why she plays an old man in this. Movie. Yeah, she plays like the the grounded, Clem- realistic yeah. old man, Klemperer, the psychoanalyst. Who, yes, uh, who who he's he's the therapist, I guess, for Pat at the beginning of the yes. movie, and then yes. she goes missing or dies or whatever, mm-hmm. and uh, then he meets. Or he goes to the show. He goes to the... Well, he, no, meets, who, he, he meets, meets Sarah, Sarah first. Sarah, who is Susie's yeah. friend, and then kind of warns mm-hmm. her and tries to yeah. find out more, and she's, like, offended that he would accuse them of witchcraft and mm-hmm. stuff, and then Sarah gets, you which, know... Yeah, which is, which is probably the most unique thing, too, to this film, because in the original Three Mothers trilogy, they don't really try to hide that they're evil. In fact, they do almost every single chance they get to be like, yeah. these are evil witches. Yeah, the score who are trying even, to like, hide. says, witch! Yeah, <laughs> like, they're trying to hide, but, like, in the new film, you have the perspective of Susie and Sarah in the Dance Academy, a little bit of Blanc to get some of that politics, a little bit of yeah. intrigue, like, inside baseball in terms of how the witches are going to, like, pick their next sacrifice, yeah. which obviously ends up being Susie because she's a mm-hmm. prodigy. And then you have, yeah, you have uh, Yosef, I think his name's Yosef. Yeah, Klumper. Yeah, yeah. Who is like this very grounded, like, does not believe in witches, but believes like Patricia yeah. was probably part of a terrorist organization that goes by the three mothers, maybe. Yeah. And like what's interesting is like you see in the Susie Sarah stuff, like you see the camaraderie amongst them while also seeing the dangers of like the older witches, where it's yeah. like they mess with the detectives who are trying to find Pat oh, yeah. and like yeah. Olga's death and like they cover up Olga's death mm-hmm. but then you get to Yosef's side and you see honestly the most sinister stuff where it's like they make him believe that his old wife is still alive yeah. for like probably hours 
only to get him to the dance academy so they could grab him as a witness to the sacrifice. To this ritual, yeah. And to basically say that he is an awful husband because he didn't grab his wife during World War II when yeah. the Nazis were taking over. Yeah, just attacks it's, this old man. Again, ruins there's, his life. there's so much more depth to the characters than the original film yeah. where it's like, Yosef is so interesting just as a character. Yeah, well, that's, that's maybe... Even, even though it's Tilda Swinton and old man makeup, he still <laughs> feels like his own thing. And it's... Yeah. Well, and I th- I think for me, the Yosef, I guess you could call it a B plot, but like by the end, it almost feels like the A plot. Um, his whole arc with him and his wife, and you know mm-hmm. the, his kind of detective arc, trying to figure out the witches, um, that doesn't exist in the original. Yeah. Um, and he's base. I mean, he might have more screen time than Susie. Almost in, as much in the in this film. Yeah, that's probably. what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's almost the main yeah. character because um, yeah, because the scene like I guess if there was an equivalent to the scene in the original film where it's like Udo Kier's therapist right, talking but he's to Susie there for one scene. Yeah, like the equivalent to that in this film would be Sarah because like Sarah actually gets Sarah more goes, screen time yeah. in this film. Sarah actually, you see a definite like descent like she actually Mm -hmm. gets more and more hectic and like in all honesty it's more tragic when sarah dies in this film because in the original film sarah was just a really nice girl that was like just next door neighbors to Susie, Mm -hmm. and would basically just hang out with her it almost seemed like anytime they would they would be in a group like a gaggle of dancers she would always be around her well as in this film they almost they have like a very sisterly bond Mm -hmm. almost immediately like i love the part where they're having a dance, kind of like they're practicing stuff, and Sarah and Susie are dancing together, and Susie's like putting pecks on her cheek and making her laugh, and they're like they're having a goof, they're like they're mm-hmm. ga- they're giggling to one another, they're sure. working well together, like they feel genuinely like they're building a relationship almost immediately. Yeah. And then when it gets to the scene where like Sarah is like in tears, <laughs> thinking Susie is one of them already, and Susie yeah. just has no idea what she's talking about. <laughs> she's like. She's like, Sarah, the dance is tomorrow. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) It makes it really sad because you know in the original film, Sarah doesn't make it. So obviously she's probably not going to make it in this Mm -hmm. because they just take the bones of the original and just give it a lot more meat. Yeah. Although the trajectory of Susie's arc goes in a entirely different direction. Absolutely. (laughs) And that's also one of my favorite things about this version too, where it's like in the original... Susie works well because she's a pure soul getting thrown into this hellhole yeah. of an academy where it's like she's peeling she when she she peels back the wallpaper when she loses like one of her closest friends mm-hmm. in the dance academy. And in this version it's like there's so much more backstory. Like in the original right. film Susie was a dancer from New York. She was just straight up from the East Coast. Mm-hmm. She was she went through school, probably college and whatnot. Or like maybe just a dance academy in general, and then just came to a prestigious dance academy in Germany. While as in this film, Susie is a Mennonite whose mother said was like her own. Like her mother said, Susie basically was her only sin in life. Yeah. So like she was the black sheep of her Mennonite family, and you actually also see like throughout the film when they do dream sequences, you see flashes of like her getting like you know punished by mm-hmm. like getting like an iron to her hand. Yeah. And, like, you know, wanting to go to Berlin and be a dancer and whatnot. It's like, so you see a very sweet, quiet Midwestern girl <laughs> who has a weird just vibe to her. Yeah. She's, she's pure. She's just odd. Yeah, she's pure. 
she's yeah she's got that pure kind of virgin energy but at the same time it almost feels like an an act and it is but it's not an intentional act right like to me it's the vibe of like the biggest difference i mean we could just kind of say it out of the way yeah is Susie in this version is a reincarnation of mother suspiria yeah and this it's at the moment in the blood sacrifice where it's like she basically finally just has a realization i think it's like (laughs) It's throughout the film you see moments where it's like when Sarah falls during the dance, she gets like sad. But mm-hmm. like at the same time when she starts, you know, things get sadder, she's getting more powerful witch powers wise, where she's like she's learning how to talk to people via yeah. telepath, like tele- telepathy and whatnot. And then by the end when it gets to the finale of the of the sacrifice, when Blanc it seems like she basically dies, she yeah. doesn't. It's very gruesome <laughs> what happens to her. It's almost like everything clicks into place yeah. where it's like, oh no, Helena, you're a false god. I'm the <laughs> real god. And then things just get nuts. Yeah. It feels the most Argento-y out of all of it, which is the finale filled with like exploding bodies. Yeah, exploding and heads. Naked, and naked people dancing in blood. Drop like frame this, rate and extreme yeah. gore and viscera. Which obviously the drop frame rate is on purpose. Oh, it's right, like this, right. It's just like, it seems like every time the drop frame rate is happening, it's almost like trying to slow down and kind of like give you some time to think or it's trying to do it in a way where it's like you're almost in a haze yeah i think yeah i very much got like (laughs) oh i'm like super high or super drunk right now watching this i'm drunk on witch power and i need to know what's happening to me and and what's great too is like once that happens it feels very logical that it goes that route and also just feels very fresh yeah like i can understand because i think i mean I, i can understand to a degree uh, well, I can actually completely understand that, like, Dario does not like this movie. Oh, yeah. Like, I think, like, Luca has been, I mean, constantly was asked, like, How's, how does Dario think of this? How does Dario think of that? <laughs> and Luca's like, we had a good phone call. You know, it felt very informative. Like, he, he just was not, he was not trying at all to tell anybody what happened. Yeah. But then, like, last year, I think someone had a phone interview with Dario, mm. and Dario just went in with, like, it's not scary. It's oh. not dreamlike. It's like, you know, it's, it's he like, Luca makes great stuff. Like, he, it's like he makes polished furniture. Like he's, like, talking like he's a great carpenter. Yeah. But obviously he's not a fan of, like, what Luca... Like, Luca's interpretation of his work is. And it's understandable because it is a vastly different interpretation of, like, the very dreamlike nightmares Mm -hmm. of the original. But at the same time, this is what you kind of have to do with a remake of a film that really doesn't need a remake. Yeah, if you do it just the way Argento did it, there's A, no point, and also B, you're just going to get... Yeah. Called a knockoff. Like, do I want remakes of Inferno and Mother of Tears now that fit this very wacky, grounded vibe of, (laughs) like, Luca's version? Absolutely. But if we never get it, which we probably Probably won't. Probably not. That's fine. You know, unless (laughs) unless you set, you know, Logan and I up as producers. We'll make it Oh, yeah. Amazon, if you're listening. (laughs) If the $8 million box office you got for a $20 million film. (laughs) If that's just calling your name. If that's, if you was one more of that. Have we got news for you? (laughs) We'll write the other two films. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and honestly, even just, you know, projecting out a a, a imaginary trilogy remake, um, it wouldn't even have to continue this kind of grounded or whatever approach that Luca did. Like, each one could be of just a vastly its own reinterpretation of its source material, and that would be equally cool. That's why I kind of love the idea of, like, 
taking every single one if you did a remake mm-hmm. and if it's a different if it's a different director it's also a different place like inferno's the east yeah. coast mother of tears is rome mm-hmm. like those places do not look the same despite no, yeah. despite argento's take on the in the three mothers trilogy where all three of them basically look like they're right next to each other visually <laughs> yeah. to a degree it would be very interesting to have a version of like the 80s that does not at all feel like it does with the 70s and yeah. Suspiria, but at the same time... Well, yeah, and I mean, the, the Suspiria uses its... You know, the, the backdrop is really thick and present in yes. this remake, where yeah. it's, you know, it's set in 1977 Germany and the wall, you know, yeah. and, and the kind of post-war fallout mm-hmm. and stuff. And, uh, yeah, you could definitely take that philosophy and apply that to each of the following movies of this setting is a character in this story it's actively influencing how the story is presented and what exactly happens and And that sort of thing it's also crazy too that like lucas suspiria pushes this narrative of the witches aren't inherently good or bad because it depends on each person who's in that covenant also the lore in this version in terms of how long the Dance Academy has been around, the Dance Academy was established during World War II, which, as Sarah describes, to keep women artistic and, like, their expressions mm-hmm. without in a, in a time where, like, they were only used as baby makers. Right. That would be so interesting if you did another trilogy of, like, Inferno and Mother of Tears talking about the different stages of women's rights as decades went oh, on. sure, yeah. Where it's, like, in Inferno, it's, like... Women's rights are going further still, but it's still like that glass ceiling yeah. that's unfortunately still there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then in 2007, it's almost like it feels like they've hit that ceiling. Sure. And like they don't know how to break it. And that could be like in Mother of Tears, if a remake happened, like the Mother of Tears is trying to basically open up that kind of vibe mm-hmm. of like we want more representation of women but at the same time she's dis- she's like an evil mastermind because she's one of the three mothers but yeah. like i really liked how this film i think is a great example of how to do a pro-feminist vibe without putting off people who are probably not even feminist or people who were just like like i personally i believe i would say i am a feminist to oh, a degree yeah, I, am sure. I would say i'm a feminist but like I do feel like I don't like situations like in Ghostbusters 2016 or like trying to force this narrative. Corporate corporate performance of feminism or of, you know, representation or whatever is often. Yeah, it feels like A A doesn't really accomplish anything and B also kind of makes a mockery sometimes of these very yeah. important social movements it's that kind are of going like, on. It's like the majority of queer representation in big films, in like mainstream yeah, films. Yeah, where it's like, like oh, guys, look, he's gay. Yeah, the LeFou problem. Guys, and like, come the, on. Yeah. See, we got a gay character. Yeah. It's, it's like, okay, yeah. just present him like a normal human being. Yeah, we woke. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. no, I mean, sure, I guess to a inkling. Yeah. But that doesn't mean anything. It's like, I guess it's good that you have a gay character, but also... Mm-hmm. can't the gay character just be a person but like it's crazy <laughs> who like, happens to be gay this film is written by a man directed by a man yeah. but at the same time has a mainly feminine like female cast that are strong i think strong artistic presences especially yeah. tilda right like, tilda swinton is like such an icon to a degree that it's like they can make these characters or mold these characters in a way where they feel realistic and they feel uh transcendent in terms of like just 
how they're dealing with women, like evolving women yeah, in an well, evolving world yeah. well, and, and, without and, a feeling hokey, yeah, or like over the top. For sure. And, and I think based on some of the, some of the interviews and comments made, you know, about the film since its release or in the press and stuff, I feel like Luca, it was a very collaborative process between Luca and his actors and, you know, other, other crew members. But I feel like Tilda and, Dakota Johnson probably had a lot of their own kind of insight oh, yeah. into how the film ended up, you know, working in the I end. I think that's one of the reasons why this is probably, it's definitely my favorite Dakota Johnson role, but it's also probably in my top five, like, favorite Swinton roles. Yeah, she's well, just got yeah. so many good roles. Yeah, yeah, she mean just like, this film, it's like, it's also crazy, too, because this film almost seems like a... Uh, hi, my name's Tilda. Give me Oscar because like she's playing three vastly <laughs> different roles and playing each role incredibly well. Yeah, but at the same time, it also like it doesn't come off that way. It just it's genuinely so, feels like yeah. she's giving the characters what they They're need. Not to showy be real. roles, really. Yeah, especially Dakota. Like Dakota is playing very nuanced. Mm-hmm. Like she's supposed to be playing a very pure, virginal, very kind of like you know out like shy yeah. persona that kind of evolves into a kind of blooms out into what will become the remake like the reincarnated version of a third mother <laughs> to the point where like she doesn't visually change when the reveal is that she is the mo- she is mother Suspiria. But her, but her whole persona changes yeah yeah like she's she like carries herself like it's crazy because you basically see her use her powers to get around other people and to basically like kind of things that would scare you like mm-hmm. where it's like when she's talking to Yosef about what really happened to his wife, and like he just she just basically like flips her wrist, and then like the maid just goes away and like stands in the corner <laughs> and does nothing yeah. for a while, and like she's scary with how much power she could she could create a bunch of chaos, yeah. But she's so refined, she's so confident in herself that like mm-hmm. that whole scene doesn't take away from what it's trying to be in this like a tragic finale to yeah. this tragic character. And, like, it's also to the point where it's, like, the like there's an after credits, like, five seconds. <laughs> but it's, like, this almost this cheeky thing of, like, oh, no, Susie's just out and about in the world. She's yeah. going to go do her own She's thing. Being it's like, the mother or being Mother Suspirio. <laughs> I, there's just so much here where it's, like, Argento's film very much feels very female empowerment. But, again, it's not forced. It's just very much. Yeah. It, just, it very much feels like it's, like, oh, my partner's writing this with me and she's writing stronger female characters than I've ever written. Yeah. Cause like Argento's never been like a women are only deserving to be killed in his films, but it's something that like he kind of yeah. gives into trope wise until Daria not... shows up in his life. Right, right. It seems. And it's very interesting to see this. And it's like Luca just gives us hilariously a horror thriller film. That's grotesque. It's long, but flows really well. Mm-hmm. It's intense, but also is Probably one of the best modern examples of not only how to do a remake, but also how to do, like, a feminist film. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's one of those, it just, I think it just takes a very literal look at its subject matter. It's like, okay, you're dealing with a centuries, maybe millennia old coven Mm -hmm. of witches. They're all women. Yeah. What are they going to do? They're going to empower themselves. They're going to, you know, they're going to try and enact change that they think you know best serves them and other people mm-hmm. like them yeah they, so they, of course of course it's a it's got you know a feminist yeah. kind of uh, uh under structure to during, it and it should during a time of disarray both in world war ii and in germany during like the the height of like the east versus west yeah. in the with the berlin wall 
it's very obvious that like those those are brought up. Or at least the World War Two is brought up because it's trying to say like we're empowering ourselves, but we're not forcing it. We're just having our own like little subsection. Yeah. In Berlin, it's just ours. Right. And we welcome everyone to come in and see it. But if you try to screw with us, we'll. <laughs> fucking kill you right, it's like right. all right this is this is something interesting well, this is I, definitely yeah. not the original suspiria <laughs> well i think it's it's so much more interesting in how kind of jumping off from that it expands into uh i guess it's implications of like how the witches function and how just mm-hmm. witches as a concept function in this version of the world yeah that he's created because it's like okay, there's infighting in the witches, and there are super powerful witches yes. that aren't the three mothers, mm-hmm. but some of them think they're the three mothers or pretend to be the three mothers in order to get yeah. their way. And then, you know, you've got... It's it's politics among this hidden, huge, age-long coven of... It's, you know. it's funny to think that, like, especially now that the show is over, but, like, I think I've said a lot of the times, at least with among friends, where it's like... I don't really need more Game of Thronesy political stuff yeah. in like in a, other genres unless it's done well. And oh my god, I didn't expect a horror thriller about witches to have very <laughs> like infighting kind of like backstabbing or like talking yeah. about like going against each other. Like it does feel very much like Game of Thronesy to a degree. Yeah. In a good way. Where it's like it very much feels like just because this is a world filled with witches and like people, yeah. they can blow each other's it brains out. It doesn't mean they still don't have kind of diplomatic Conflicts. disputes yeah. and yeah. that sort of thing. It doesn't mean they don't eat, smoke, talk about having sex, yeah. or also just like want power yeah. to a degree. Because like that's well, why Helena's so scary. Because like like you said, she's like she's one of the po- most powerful witches. But she's not a three mother, right? And she also is just like this saggy, disgusting, like <laughs> bloated thing yeah. that is basically just practically living off of her followers. Yeah, because like pretty much sustaining herself on the yeah. life energy of her. Because it seems, yeah, it seems pretty much clear that like either the people who voted for her are afraid of her, or like almost like into a sunk cost fallacy where it's yeah. like if she's not Mother Suspiria, then I don't what know has this what all been yeah, for. What are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> so it's again, it's just like. I just love the detail that she's this nasty kind of job of the hut looking creature. Yeah, and she's got sunglasses on. Yeah, she's she, she's <laughs> got like she's got steampunk on. sunglasses yeah. on, or like the little side like. Yeah, it's like okay, yeah. yeah, she's she's old and decrepit. Yeah, she, I don't know, maybe she's got light sensitivity, and or like, maybe her eyes are really gross. Even and she doesn't she, want people to see. Yeah, and even though she's like a fat slob that like is. Tilda Swinton in makeup. Oh yeah, because she's all she's Helena Marcos. Of course, she's the most powerful yeah. regular witch right. out of all of them. But like you see in her design, she looks like she has absorbed more than just essences. Like she's absorbed yeah. people, taken on their bodies. You and see, stuff. yeah, you see like excess hands. You see so much excess skin. Like she yeah. is a glutton for power. And try she's and it's, like actively lactating. Just yes, like, which is disgusting. It's Again, disgusting, yeah. this movie is another great example of like. It's hard to, like, if you have someone who's like, this movie didn't scare me, it's horror is so subjective yeah, in that and regard. And this is a yeah. vastly different type of horror yeah, than in the original Suspiria. For me, it was more of a, well, this is disturbing and makes me very uncomfortable rather yeah. than, a, you know, waiting for this, you know, thing to come around the corner and jump out at you. Yeah. Or, you know, 
keep me it didn't keep me up at night but i'm still thinking about it yeah i still have the images stuck in my head i still have the music in my head i yeah. still have like creepy things that like yeah. put a shiver down my spine where it's like sarah's trying to leave a dark room and if you just look on the ground there's just holes opening up uh, that she yeah, doesn't that was see a really weird or like you know you see like all the all like basically the people that helena is sucking from which is patricia and olga because yeah. neither are dead yeah and it's like they're they look just like her, yeah. and it's disgusting. And like they're slimy. The sound the sound design in this film is so good, <laughs> yeah. Because like when something hits the floor, it feels like impactful. Yeah. When it's just like there's like one moment. There's only like it's like two seconds in the film, but I can't not think about it. Where it's in a dream sequence, and I believe it's supposed to be like Susie thinking about herself, and she like scrapes her fingernails on wood, mm. and it's quick. But oh, I can yeah. hear the scrape yeah. and the look of it and, like, all these different things that yeah. it's, like, it's very visceral without being overblown. Yeah. Which Argento is overblown and visceral, and that's okay because <laughs> that's what Argento was doing back then. Yeah. And it's just, there's just so much to talk about with this movie. And I'm just glad that, like, Luca was able to do something with the Three Mothers trilogy that, like, doesn't take away from how much fun Mother of Tears is, doesn't doesn't add anything to Inferno, sadly, yeah. and doesn't take anything away from the original film. It's just, it's honestly what any remake should be called, where, like, this film from this point forward should just be called Luca Guadagnino's Suspiria. Yeah. This is his version of Suspiria, yeah. and it doesn't take away from Dario's at all. In fact, it just makes it more interesting in his court. Well, yeah. if you want something more artsy you want something that's more just visceral and just creepy and dreamlike you got dario's mm-hmm. and that is suspiria 2018 mm-hmm. and it's it's just i don't know i think for me it's very clear that like this is better than the sequels of three mothers oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a, it was a great way to kind of cap off yes that trilogy as yeah. an experience because it's like it kind of you know just like the original suspiria it was the far and away the best of the three this kind of brings you back to where you're like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, Suspiria, and it's good again. Yeah. <laughs> to me, this honestly, and this might be crazy to say, but I think Luca Guadagnino's Suspiria honestly fits on the same uh, shelf as John Carpenter's The Thing. Yeah. Where it's like, John Carpenter took a 50s film that scared him as a kid but really isn't that good yeah. and turned it into something his own. Wholly and different. Is wholly different, but, but horrifying doesn't take away way. from the original. In fact, it kind of like amplifies Mm -hmm. the great stuff from it and it's great that like this is definitely i think out of the three that we've covered so far this is definitely the oddest trilogy as a roller coaster ride it's like suspiria is a great high point inferno unfortunately for us just went downhill (laughs) and then mother of tears was like loop-de-loops just like all all over the place just like and then this one was like a refined Mm-hmm. piece of art that just so happened to be based off of a very gory very colorful and gaudy argento classic yeah and it's a great way to end off especially for halloween yeah because you know we're f- we're doing this on halloween because we always film live right yeah it's and uh halloween morning right yeah now. yes halloween morning <laughs> live from the lo- like local cemeteries yeah, that we're gonna push right. yeah <laughs> We're yep. wearing our costumes, which you're, you're just going to have to guess what our costumes are. We're not going to say. Yeah. But I'm overall. Popeye. Yes, you are Popeye. And I am 
Let's say Bluto. Is that the is that <laughs> from is that, Animal House? No, I think oh. no. When you said Popeye, I just thought of his antagonist from the old cartoon. Oh yeah, like, I don't remember his. Yeah, name. Listen, I the, I was born in the guy. '90s, but that was like a very boomer answer to your Popeye. Yeah, <laughs> and I didn't really think about that until now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we are now done with the Three Mothers trilogy and our spooky movies yep. for a while or at least until we feel like we want to do more spooky yeah. movies happy halloween be grateful yes be grateful. take what you can get and uh in terms of what we're going to be doing next yeah it's a it's a wait and see still a little up in the air yeah so we're going to actually take off the first full week of november off and then start our new trilogy on the second week of november which, which we are looking right now um, it's again if you wanted to feel live here you go the 14th yeah i think it is it's november 14th will be the start of a new odd trilogy yeah. and during the week of november 2nd we will be posting about like you know catching up on the trilogies we've done so far as well yeah. as giving you hints and little tidbits as to what we're going to do next. Yeah. It's a good time, good time to catch up if you're yeah. if you've been missing out a little bit. And if you've already listened to all of these, or if you're just listening for the first time, thank you so much. Like this has been a blast so mm-hmm. far. I've been very excited just to kind of go through all these crazy odd movies, especially Lots. with Andy, especially <laughs> with our friends. And we cannot wait to see what our November trilogy is going to be for you guys because we're really excited to see where we go from here. So tune in on the 14th. When we start our new odd trilogy. But until then, I'm Logan Sowash. And I'm Andy Carr. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.